0: friends i'm olivia and i'm katie and we are podcast by proxy
1: welcome we're live
2: Woo! welcome back it's like my chair creaked at the same time as i said woo so it was like hey <laughs> your chair is also back
0: hopefully everyone's had a great
2: week um yeah it's been not too shabby making some career changes so that should be fun we
0: love that for you
2: yeah it'll be interesting i feel like that's happening
0: for a few people in my life right now and i definitely feel like i feel an energy shift i don't know if anybody else is all up in that energy business but i definitely feel like an energy shift in life right now and i think there's going to be a lot of changes for like everyone in different capacities like I don't think I'm gonna have like a big career or love life change but I feel like something else is gonna change and there's just like a shift coming
2: it kind of feels like you know for so many years we made like quote-unquote new year's resolutions but never kept them but I think after COVID everyone got a little bit of a reset and just whether it was your values your goals like just something in your life got a little reset and I think nobody wants to go into the next what we hope is quote unquote normal year as like the way they were yeah, like, like i think people just have goals going into the next year which is i think a way better way than having like resolutions like things okay after then i'm going to change it that's just procrastinating if it's something you want to change after the new year like go ago, into the new year
0: i became a not new year's resolution person if that makes sense i don't make new yep. year's resolutions no, I, I don't will... either make a list of things that I want to accomplish that year but I also do that like monthly and weekly and I regularly (laughs) review it and I think that like exactly what Katie just said new year's resolutions is just a really good way to procrastinate what you should already be doing Um, whether it's anything if you want to do something why do you have to wait till January 1st in order to do so like then you're just 26 yeah. days behind where you could have been if you started today
2: and I'm saying this as someone who needs a lot of like mental preparation but I feel like if in my mind I'm like yeah I want to change that I'm going to do that I've already had the mental preparation without even knowing it so but do it now. I'm not saying that your time isn't valid or your time to process something isn't I just think that if in your mind you're like I want to do that then do it Strike while the iron's hot, baby. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm really excited for everybody's next year. I just really think we're all going to flourish. We're all going to have lots of exciting things going on and changing and fulfilling our dreams. And I'm feeling positive. I'm, I'm going to plan positive. a wedding. Katie's going to plan a wedding. We are going to plan
2: a wedding. Yeah, I'm just planning everybody
0: else's wedding right now. <laughs> I'm actually not going to want to no, plan my own wedding by the time this is over. Because I'm actually so excited to see... I've said this to you the other day. I think actually, yeah. it was my other friend. I'm really no, excited to, me, to see everyone's like visions come to life because yeah. so many people in my like very close life are getting married in a very short time span, and I get to be quite like closely involved in you're a lot of those Actively involved weddings. in all of them. Yeah, I'm so so looking forward to seeing like everybody's individual vision come mm-hmm. to life. Like I'm jazzed. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm ready.
2: Yeah, it I says. think it's going to be super fun. Uh, I also that what you're explaining right now is exactly what uh, the thrill I was getting out of why I wanted to do event planning and why I love doing it so much is that moment when you get to like open the doors and like show someone their vision that you put together and just watch them go like, oh my God. Like yes. that is one of the best feelings ever. Yeah, but again, a my love language. Is, yeah, is definitely it's it's fulfilling. It's a fulfilling yeah, feeling. And my, my love language is acts of service. So being able to like do the grunt work for someone to put their like dream together is just like. Ah. Well, I guess we know who
0: we'd be planning my upcoming one day nuptials if they ever happen. Fuck yes. Okay. Well, now that we've kind of got out. The, the intro, the little chit chat game. <laughs> the gap. willies. The willies. Uh, we have just kind of a different episode today for everybody. We thought that after four weeks of pretty heavy content mm-hmm. that we would, I mean, it's not going to necessarily be lighthearted or like lighter content, but we just wanted to go a different direction. So I have a little bit of current events off the top for us, just some current things that are happening in Canada, with some bigger investigations right now and then Katie is going to take it away with a documentary that we both recently watched and both really enjoyed um, the Killy Sally, killer Sally documentary on Netflix
2: uh, wow okay I think we saw a lot of it on Instagram too like I saw a lot of people just posting the cover in their stories and being like whoa this story because it is a real conversation starter and I think that's why this is kind of an interesting one to talk about
0: I definitely think every once in a while there is one of those on Netflix that sticks out maybe a little bit more than some of the others because Netflix floods us with so many documentaries now. It's just is what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. And that one definitely, I mean, I told my parents to watch it because they are very much into the bodybuilding world and they don't watch true crime documentaries and they watched it in one night and were like, oh my gosh, I loved it.
2: Um, I know. I remember you telling me that your dad was like, I remember this, like, we'll get to who it is and all this information, Mm -hmm. but, like, yeah, my instant reaction when you told me that was, like, duh, of course he would, like, that was his world. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, so we'll, I'll start us off today, then, just with some Canadian true crime current events. Uh, So, just recently, this week, or last week, maybe, one week ago today from when we're recording... 35-year-old Jeremy Anthony Michael Skibicki was arrested and charged with the first-degree murder of four Indigenous women uh, that the police believe he killed. This investigation started in May of 2022, following the death of 24-year-old Indigenous female Rebecca Contoy, Rebecca was from the Crane River First Nation and on May 16th, 2022, the police announced that her partial remains were found near an apartment building in the 200 block of Edison Avenue in a dumpster. Additional okay. remains of hers were later found in June 2022 at the Brady landfill.
2: Jeremy do was charged have to put people in the garbage. Like I just 100%. The same with ditches. It's like, I know how we've g- garbage cans and ditches. People.
0: Yeah, dumpsters are particularly terrible um, yeah. for me. Because, like, you literally just threw somebody away like a piece of garbage. Yeah. So at the time, on May 18th, 2022, just two days after she was found, Jeremy was charged with first-degree murder in connection with Rebecca's death by the RCMP's homicide unit, and he has been in police custody at a correctional facility since then. Okay. Okay. Police announced at the time that Rebecca and Jeremy were quote known to each other but didn't provide any further details and at the time they said that they continue they were continuing to investigate and they did not rule out the possibility that there were more victims. So this investigation has been very active and ongoing since Mm -hmm. May. On Thursday December 1st 2022 so just one week ago police announced that one week ago from when we're recording I guess more like a week and a half ago from when everyone's listening but Police announced that three A more week vi- to ten days. Indigenous. The- <laughs> I don't know why we're harping so hard on this timeline. Well, I mean, I'm not. You are. <laughs> yeah. It, so they announced three more victims had been identified. Uh, it's believed that they were killed before Rebecca between March and May, so uh-huh. that there was three victims before Rebecca was found.
1: Yeah.
0: All three of these victims were also Indigenous females. 39-year-old Morgan Beatrice Harris and 26-year-old Mercedes Mirren and an unidentified indigenous female in her mid-twenties with an average build. Okay. Morgan Harris is believed to have been killed on or around May 1st and Mercedes Myron is believed to have been killed on or around May 4th. Both Harris and Myron were members of the Long Plain First Nation in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Police said that as a result of their investigation, they had also charged Jeremy Skibicki with three more counts of first-degree murder. So this is mm-hmm. when they announced that he is his count is up to four.
2: Yeah, he's in connection with all of them at this point.
0: Yeah, now of course, none of these charges have been proven in court, and Jeremy's defense attorney has provided a statement to the media saying that he plans to plead not guilty when the trial starts in uh, the new year.
2: But again, we know that things change, so we'll wait and see how he pleads. I mean, that's still quite a while to gather evidence and build a case, so as information gets presented to him, let's just hope that he will just admit to it if he really did it.
0: And, I mean, we've seen multiple cases on this show where people plead not guilty and then arrive the day of... Or, like, didn't we have one where he tried Weird to... We had one ple- where it was,
2: like, day of sentencing. They were like, um... Actually... Uh, excuse me. <laughs> I would like to plead guilty. This didn't um, work in my judge, favor. <laughs> over here. Can I ask you something real quick? <laughs> May I interject?
0: Yeah, see, so you never no. really know. So the the bodies of the three new victims have not been found... Uh, but winnipeg police chief danny smyth confirmed that police do have enough evidence to charge jeremy in all three of the murders so
2: so maybe he has something of theirs
0: i believe that they have found dna in his apartment or Yes, some, i mean like maybe yes. he
2: kept a something of theirs that yeah. they can match yeah. to a that they had they kind like of alluded
0: trophy. to having dna okay
2: like they didn't Outright, say we have a
0: positive DNA match, but like they kind of alluded to it, so I think okay. that they found DNA like somewhere in his, his car,
2: his apartment, yes. or okay, because yeah. yeah, they were all quite close together in theory. Like, it makes sense that,
0: yeah, and my guess is that they. He they clearly tied to you, him to rebecca's murder right away he was arrested two days after she was found and i'm assuming that that investigation turned out to be a whole lot more than they bargained for mm-hmm. okay now i was able to find some information about jeremy Skibbeke, uh, most importantly his record and if one exists Okay. Court records reveal that Jeremy Skibicki threatened to kill two of his previous partners in the last seven years.
2: Okay.
0: Um, just right off the top, I have this kind of closer to the end of my that. discussion here, but I'm actually just going to do this now. Um, he, His bio on two Facebook pages that are linked to him both link him as identifying as a member of what's called Holy Europe. What? I didn't know what this was, but Holy Europe, or the Alliance of Patriotic Parallel Movements of European Folks, demands the re-Christianization of Europe and its colonies. Among their seven pillars of life and the foundations of their struggle are the preservation of blood restoration of the patriarchy and doctrine of attack a supposed quote conquest strategy Um, this makes it even more fucking disturbing that all of his victims are indigenous women just given yeah the connection between indigenous people and colonization and yes right so yeah his facebook pages just show him to be very white supremacist misogynistic anti-semitic uh violent and all of the worst things yeah his record that we're gonna go through right
2: now isn't much better um so yeah i can't imagine it is someone who's that open on the internet again whatever you'll do in front of people you will do a thousand times worse behind closed doors i truly but well maybe not a thousand like ten times worse behind closed doors even Yeah. But it's just like keep that in mind. Yeah, it's
0: just horrible to know that those are his ideologies and all of his victims are indigenous. And clearly to me that's a that's a pointed attack.
2: A thousand
0: percent. So uh yeah, these court records of him threatening to kill two of his previous partners in the last two years, uh, they came from, a one, came from a court hearing involving one of the women and a protection order filed by another. In the first instance, he was convicted of assaulting his common law partner in June of 2015 and spent two months behind bars before being sentenced to two years of probation. According to a statement of facts agreed to by the Crown and his defense attorneys, Jeremy grabbed his partner's hair and punched her in the face several times before trying to strangle her. Jesus. Yeah. He then told her that he would kill her before she called the police. That's the same. So she then filed for a protection order against him the same year that uh, saying that she feared he wouldn't stop until he, uh, she's dead. The application for the protection order was dismissed. It's not really clear why, but it's possible that it was denied because the conditions of his probation from the assault conviction already required him to stay away from her and not make contact for two years. So they may have considered a protection order redundant. However, if you're like me and you listen to a lot of (laughs) podcasts like Something Was Wrong and Strictly Stalking you know that it's super common for these types of requests to be dismissed in court and that women and victims are often not taken seriously in these cases until Mm -hmm. it's too late. And like so many of them will say, he literally is going to have to kill me before the cops will do anything about it.
2: Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's a constant thread we hear in a lot of stories that, yeah, exactly that. Like, what extreme will you guys let it get to before that you'll say, like, okay, well, now he's done something. We can actually arrest him. Exactly. Like, I hate when I hear stories and they say, well, he actually hasn't done anything. No, he's made me feel uncomfortable in my own home, in my own surroundings, yeah. my usual routine. Like, I'm How telling that you that my life feels threatened. N- something And it's so
0: infuriating. It's, like, so frustrating that it's, at this point in time, impossible to, quote, unquote, prove Mhm because of the ways our current laws are set up
2: everywhere there needs to and again i have been watching um i am a stalker on netflix currently yes and i do agree that a lot of those sentences and punishments are valid and accurate and in accordance with what people Mm -hmm. i believe should get but there's a lot of leniency with what someone has to do before someone's considered a stalker. And I think that needs to change. That show was terrifying by the way. Just from the fact that
0: it's. Um, the point of views. Of the stalkers. And a lot of those interviews. Yeah. Are so scary to me. That like it just it re- reminds was... you. That like so many people think that way. And it's scary.
2: Yeah. I It's someone who can completely. Tune out what someone is actually saying. And they've truly convinced themselves what they believe is right for the other person. Yeah. Anyway, Strictly Stalking podcast. I don't think
0: it's a secret that it's like one of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> and um, they have a million episodes. And this is the theme in literally every single one of those episodes. That... Shocking. Yeah, <laughs> shocking. Um, okay. But in her application for this protection order in 2015, this partner said, quote, Jeremy has admitted fantasizing about raping me then choking me to death he has smothered me so bad my teeth started to bleed so now he is showing signs of fantasizing about violence against against women and his partners
2: oh god this poor woman
0: four years later Another woman who at this point was Jeremy's estranged wife successfully filed a protection order against him, alleging in both an application for the protection order and a hearing that she suffered a litany of abuse at his hands and that he threatened to kill her. She said, quote, he has suggested he would kill me or that other gangs will abduct me and torture or kill me or traffic me. And told me he would put me in a garbage bag. And then she said, I'm actually extremely afraid for my life.
2: I would be too. Yes. Did they have any children together or anything, do you know?
0: No, but at least one of them had a child, like, with somebody else that wasn't so there was Jeremy's a child. child and also uh, alleged abuse against her child at, his, oh, God, at okay, the okay, hands I was of him. Yeah. Oh,
2: fuck
0: now the cbc news article i read on this specifically didn't identify these women because they are victims of abuse however they did say they're
2: active members of a community somewhere still
0: yes and both of these women are indigenous yeah his estranged wife spoke at a manitoba provincial court hearing in december 2021 and said she was afraid of jeremy and said he threatened to harm her family and kill her teenage son. she said quote when he is angry it's like somebody else is in the room i call him scary jerry i don't even recognize the eyes anymore but needless to say i was afraid
2: okay that's like one of those things that you hear in stories that's like their eyes changed and like they just were a different person and that concept always just like creeps me out
0: yeah it's terrifying
2: it is terrifying because you know what it means. Like we've all seen someone do it where they just get so angry that their eyes change and you're like,
0: oh, my
2: God. Yeah. it's And like, you know, in
0: that moment that you're immediately dealing with a very unpredictable situation, which is terrifying.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if it's just a one on one circumstance. It's yeah, it's very frightening. Actually, I shouldn't say everyone's seen it. I hope not everyone has seen it.
0: Yeah. If you haven't. I love I'm so happy for you because nobody yeah. should have to see that or deal with people no. when they're in that state no it causes Agreed. a lot of trauma for a long time let's put it for that sure. way Jeremy met this woman in February of 2018 at a homeless shelter in Winnipeg while she was waiting for a bed he offered her a place to stay and they were married in less than one year On their wedding day, the woman was under the influence, according to a transcript from the protection order hearing in September 2019, and four days after their wedding, she went to detox for meth. So essentially, he took her from the homeless shelter, and yes, he was... Can
2: I just ask, though, like, why, like, so obviously he preyed on someone who was maybe vulnerable Mm -hmm. by going to the homeless shelter. Was that the sole purpose? He just, like, went to the homeless shelter to, like, pick himself out a wife? It seems that way
0: because he oh, had God. he wasn't homeless and didn't need a place to stay. What a person so, who has
2: zero concern for anyone else.
0: Well, and I think that this is a person who is, whether it's conscious or subconsciously, is, tar- like you said, targeting vulnerable people vulnerable. that he knows yeah. he's going to be able to control right? This yeah. is definitely... Especially
2: if she has a drug addiction, he's going to give her a nice place to live and food on the table and support her drug habit until they get married. Why not? And just have or that to feeling of
0: knowing that you're... She needs you, right? Like, you yeah. are completely in control of this person Dependence. because she is 100% dependent on you now yeah. for drugs and a place to stay and food and whatever else. Just the worst kind of human being.
2: Worst.
0: Not there for the right reasons, let's put it that way. No. This woman also said she was taking strong medication at night to sleep during their time together, and Jeremy called it her sleeping beauty syndrome and would constantly rape her while she was sleeping.
2: So in other words, he was drugging her.
0: Well, it's possible that she was taking medication, like prescribed to her from a doctor, to sleep at night. Um, a lot of people, especially people that are addicted to drugs, need a lot of help with their sleep. Or if they're in like a detox program and they're trying to come off so. of drugs, like you have a really yeah. difficult time sleeping. I wasn't and... thinking about her drug addiction with right. the sleeping,
2: but yeah, I guess yeah. so. Either
0: way, <laughs> taking advantage of a, a
2: vulnerable person, without a doubt, it's yeah. it's horrifying you... and women out there you can be raped by your spouse just 100%. because they're your spouse doesn't mean they can't rape you i think that a lot of women convince themselves that well he loves me he's my partner it's not rape if you said no or felt uncomfortable it's yes. assault in some way correct yeah,
0: this isn't we're not in the
2: 1800s anymore no, but I think it's easy to convince ourselves.
0: No, I, I know that. I'm just saying that, like, no, that's 100% We have correct. our own rights now, women. Yes, we have our own rights and do body autonomy. Well, do we? I mean, it's debatable at some points. Yeah, I mean, but um, some. We should have full body autonomy.
2: Yes, we are working on it still. It will always be a work in progress, I believe.
0: Unfortunately.
2: As long as men are in power and all men are... Or, like, a certain mindset. Smash the patriarchy.
0: Yeah. During their marriage, Jeremy threatened to kill this woman as well. He tried to suffocate her by holding a pillow over her face, and she also alleged that he once forced her to stay in their apartment for four days. Jeremy denied these allegations in court. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah. So... Shocking. The Winnipeg police are specifically asking for help from the public and the media to identify the unident- like the unidentified victim of Jeremy's,
1: the
2: Jane doe that was found.
0: Yes, They do not want her to end up a Jane doe. Police released a photo of a jacket they say is similar to the one that they believed she wore um, on or around March 15th when they believe she was killed. The jacket is reversible and contains a black and white pattern, the words baby fat like PH fat, a yes. fur hood and a cat like logo on the front and back of the jacket.
2: I think I had that jacket as well or I was something gonna very say, similar.
0: <laughs> a baby fat jacket. We all had
2: one. And reversible. Damn girl, you got two baby fat coats. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to
0: I'll post a photo of the jacket as well on our Instagram at podcast by proxy. Um and yeah, so it's if it's believed that uh she would have last been seen around March 15th
2: 2022
0: okay uh and that's I mean that's it for that one I there was another true crime kind of uh announcement case update I guess you will current event it's a lot shorter though for what I have right now anyways but
2: I'll go through it if you are interested Sure, I also have a news update or a current events I forgot about.
0: Current events it is. So, a week prior to the police announcing um, the arrest of Jeremy Stibicki, Toronto Police Service and the OPP announced that they had arrested 61-year-old Joseph George Sutherland and charged him with two counts of first-degree murder for two unsolved homicides from 1983, Susan Tice and Aaron
2: Gilmore. Let's wrap up these old cases, people. Let's run those DNAs. Let's yes. And so, ask those questions again.
0: Yeah. This was solved using genetic genealogy. Um, in the year 2000, the police had actually confirmed that both of these women's cases were connected to the same man. So they were able to like get that okay. far. But in 2019. So they linked the sample
2: found that it was the same person, at least. They just yes. didn't know who the person was. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, 2019, they start working with Orthram, which we've talked about before, as a Texas-based company specializing in forensic genealogy to solve, uh, resolve and solve murders. And this is how they were able to... We've talked about the process of genetic genealogy before, yeah. like, our CrimeCon <laughs> episode and stuff. But this I think is how they were able to, like, build out the family tree. And they actually eliminated four of... Um, joseph sutherland's brothers before connecting him
2: that is so crazy those minute differences
0: yeah isn't that crazy yeah so susan was 45 years old and aaron was 22 when they were both sexually assaulted and stabbed in their bedrooms in august and december of 1983 the two women in their own bedroom in their own bedrooms and their houses were really close together like three kilometers apart but they didn't know each other
2: okay
0: yeah uh so police actually served him the dna warrant on november 24th to obtain a blood sample like i said they had tested his four brothers beforehand and they were unable to collect like a cigarette butt or anything like that from him so they were able to convince a judge that it was reasonable to believe that he had committed these killings based on their dna warrant uh, and also just,
2: process of elimination with the other brothers exactly yeah
0: so just like there's a ton of other information about these cases and maybe we'll actually cover them like in depth on the show one day but mm-hmm. um, it is of note that Sutherland had never been a suspect or a person of interest in these wow. cases
2: Yeah, I mean, I think this one definitely we will need to even wait a bit to just get all the information, seeing as it's so active and developing. The other one we might be able to do a little sooner because it seems like maybe we're getting a little bit further. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, this, um, this one here with the genetic genealogy, there's still kind of a lot going on with that, and they're also trying to connect him potentially to other cold cases in ontario or in the country wherever kind of he was living at the time um in toronto alone there's over 700 cold cases and uh 43 have known offender dna which is only 43 that for some reason was shocking that seems low
2: it seems really low expect repeat offenders
0: yeah but um Well, known offender DNA being like, they have DNA and they know that it was the offender, they just don't know who it is. So only 43 of those 700 have DNA that they know that they, if they found who it was, they'd have their killer.
2: Wild. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, in one hand, I'm thankful we have like less than, what, a thousand cold cases because that's amazing compared to so many other places in north america but at the same time it's like why do we have 700 people 700 especially those 40 just in toronto or 41 that's it's yeah it's why wild. do you call it toronto as a canadian what am i supposed to call it i mean that's how people from the states call it everyone in canada calls it toronto i don't know
0: because <laughs> there's a t and i pronounced it
2: yeah, you enunciate but that's shocking um i, I think mean, both of those cases are crazy by I the know. way just in general but i'm still shocked at you're right the number of cold cases we have in that area alone yeah Cry. but yeah
0: that's my current events in canada for for this week okay. crazy do you have current events or are we jumping right into a documentary
2: chat No, I have something... It's not Canadian, but it was just something that I think is a good reminder that our justice system needs work still. Oh, boy. Because it's from the States, but this is just a good reminder overall, um, because the news broke today, that Brittany Greiner, um, our athlete who has been in Russian prison for the last 10 months, or North American athlete who's been in prison for the last 10 months, um, because she had... Essentially, cartridges that contained a small amount of THC at a border, and was arrested. They have officially announced that the U.S. has agreed to a trade for a Russian arms dealer that we are just going to hand. They are going to. I say we. They are going to hand back over um, Victor Bout, A.K.A. the Merchant of Death, who was serving an approximate 25-year sentence, who had served nine of it. Is getting to go back to Russia. Whether they are going to imprison him or not, I'm waiting on more details, um, but Whoa. Griner spent 10 months in a Russian prison recently in Mordovia where she was treated like to excessive homophobia and racism because she's a mixed race lesbian athlete. Who was put into a very difficult prison to be in. So she faced a lot of racism as well. Yeah. And they were working like manual labor, like 16-hour days. Because that's just like what prison's like there, I guess. Which is... A, those are horrible conditions for anybody in prison. And B, the sentence is ridiculous. We had to trade for someone who was on a nine year sentence for a tiny drug charge and put into a very very dangerous prison that's for terrifying. someone who is probably sitting in a very comfortable prison here is now who is very dangerous is just getting handed over so
0: it's also just wild that that's the way the world works
2: right like oh like you want your person back chips. well
0: gonna have to trade
2: well and they're trying to say like we didn't actually trade them no, you like did, though. One, but you... And there's, like, a video of you guys at the airport, like, swapping them on planes. That's seriously wild. Like, you, you didn't even take... They literally walked past each other. Yeah. How do you say you didn't trade them? You didn't even take them to different airports.
0: No, I mean, Russia definitely was, like...
2: Make it worth our while. 100%. Because even if he's in prison there, they can still use him... Like yeah. if he's an arms dealer, like he's still a connection and a person there, and he might be very valuable in prison there. I don't know. You know I don't know I the don't deal know. is there.
0: And I and just, I don't want to talk
2: bad about Russia, I, but I'm yeah, just saying
0: that's really where I'm at with this. Is something. I'm just saying the deal is crazy. Thank you for giving back our person. Now please just go. Go. Yeah, like it's please just scary. The state of the world right now is scary, and it is. Um. Yeah. Help me, Mom. I'm scared. Please come get me. an
2: adult. Please come pick me up. <laughs> Shit, I
0: am the adult.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely have moments like really, that some I'm really, really,
0: really glad that she's, like, back and she's safe, and I hope that she can yeah. get, like, the help that she's obviously going to need coming out of, like, such a traumatic situation that's
2: t- literally terrifying. Well, um, it's sad that her and her wife had lost all that time together as well.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, as much as I was just joking about trading trading people um i think that that's like 100 percent worth it for a human life because agreed yeah yeah if, if the option is like we have to give this person back or uh one of our people sits in a russian prison over like a tiny thc charge and is treated horribly and like her life is in danger like fine just trade trade the people and get it over with because um yeah we've and also like i think is.
2: russia has other arms dealers they're not in a pinch correct Anyways <laughs> next. But otherwise we're gonna do a little Netflix chit chat today. Yeah. Which yeah, I'd actually... just hang out with us
0: today because this is basically all we just, talk about anyways, so we're just chilling. This is just a regular this is a regular Thursday.
2: Yeah, we're just regular Thursday, in our, Tuesday. And our hairs and bun, black hoodies, just chatting. Yeah. But Katie asked
0: me the other day. Uh, every once in a while, I feel like we we watch a Netflix documentary that kind of like rings to both of us. Or so there's, just, we're like yeah, that sparks
2: a conversation. We want to have least, a chat. And we're
0: like, huh? So Katie asked me recently if uh, we could discuss Killer Sally on Netflix. Whoop, whoop. Um, if you haven't watched it, pause this and go watch it and come back.
2: Um, yeah, thanks yeah. for catching up with us. It's been great. But pause here. We'll give you a minute. Walk away.
1: Okay, we're. Back.
2: <laughs> but no i i had a lot of feelings about this and then you said you had a lot of feelings and i kept seeing it posted like i mentioned on people's instagram stories on facebook and people were just kind of like wtf like this is this how did we not hear about this this is kind of crazy
0: yeah if you were in the bodybuilding world at this time you definitely heard about it but yeah, I guess.
2: everybody else nada nada but just at least introduce you to it obviously you've seen it killer sally it's a netflix documentary it's three episodes long and it released in uh early november november 2nd of this year so it's fairly new however i felt like the episodes were like crazy digestible Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you wanted to keep watching it, so it wasn't, like, one of those ones where I had to watch it over a few days. I feel like I just sat down and watched it, and I was like, whoa.
0: Yeah, it was also less repetitive than some Netflix documentaries. Yeah. Specifically, um, I find, and I just watched, we were just talking the about The third this. episode of anything no the the ones that are like crime scene like the elisa lamb documentary the texas killing yeah. fields is done by like the crime scene people and there's another one as well whenever it's like crime scene colon and then the name of it like that's the same people making them and they, they do a, they do a great
2: job confirm the details <laughs> very
0: very very repetitive in terms of confirming yep. those main details and sometimes i'm just like i get it
2: this well, one I'm, wasn't like
0: that it was if not it's
2: only three parts i'm probably binging it i don't need a recap Mm -hmm. and if i do give me it in like a minute and a half two minutes don't give me the first 10 minutes of the next episodes yeah our recaps
0: yeah no this one definitely wasn't repetitive though you're right it was very like you just wanted to keep watching and like oh my gosh what
2: yeah and part of that is that um sally who is going to be our you know main topic here in a moment she's very likable in a way which she's known for like she was kind of a flirt and she was very personable and stuff in a lot of ways so i think that that comes through in it so you want to keep listening to her talk because she is the one telling her side of the story in this so
0: yeah and i think it was different than some netflix documentaries in the sense that like not only is she telling her story but she wants to tell it like she's owning it yeah she really wants to 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 say what she needs to say and like she hasn't had an opportunity to
2: have a a voice for so long she's not saying i didn't do it i did it Mm -hmm. but please let me tell you my side of the story as well because Uh, there's always two sides in the truth so just get it all
0: well and as you move through and i'm sure we'll talk about she really didn't get that opportunity um yeah in court or anything like that like she tried and she she just never was able to to really tell her story and have somebody listening yeah
2: yeah, based on her life conditioning that we'll get to, you'll see that her o- her willingness to open up and talk at that point in her life just wasn't there. Yeah, or to express emotions, and we'll get to it. But um, Sally grew up through like a lot of athletic sports. She swam. She did track. She did competitive diving, and really, whatever thing whatever she did, she like wanted to win. She wanted to be first if she had to play on the boys' team because the girls' teams were too easy, quote-unquote, she would. Um, And her parents, when I say they were supportive, they signed off on her to go and be at the risk of playing these, what were assumed to be tougher sports. But she kept up. And, like, all her track videos, she's, like, flying through the boys. It's amazing. Yeah. Didn't... Wasn't her dad, like kind of abusive though or like he was like really strict and she kind of went like back and forth whether he was just strict or hard on her or like i think that he
0: was i think he was an alcoholic and like quite abusive to her mother so i
2: don't that comes out in the first episode yeah because even going into her relationships in the documentary she would like kind of pretend like she had a great life like right. she presented what she wanted to people in a way.
0: Yeah. I think it's just good to to highlight that even if her father wasn't abusive to her, he was at least verbally abusive to her mother and that gives you kind of an idea of what a relationship is like supposed yeah. to be like or what you well, we think were is normal. Get to it.
2: No, no, It makes sense anyway, because you're right. Where you come from does make a difference. And both parties in this came from tough upbringings. They did. Yeah. They really did. Um, but yeah, I, although her dad was like, he just was absent in her life, kind of, because he worked a lot. And then when he was home, he was drinking. You're right. So it just wasn't a healthy relationship she saw. Mm-hmm. And her mother just kind of always made sure her dad was supported and catered to him and kind of like walked on eggshells a bit. Right. Which will allude to kind of how she is in her relationships in some ways, Mm -hmm. which is, I think a fight for her because it's not who she is naturally.
1: Right. Okay.
2: Uh, so growing up, she wanted to pursue her athletic goals by going to university to be a gym teacher She went to college in Philadelphia to pursue being a gym teacher. She completed three and a half years of her schooling, but with literally one semester left. Ran out of money. And her parents couldn't pay for her schooling or would not pay for schooling. So she had to drop out with one semester left. So she had an incomplete degree. She had no money. And really her only option was to join the Marine
0: Corps.
2: Yeah. Which... I think is a lot of people's position in the States. If you're low income, the Marine Corps provides you structure, discipline, a roof over your head, three meals a day. I, I, I get why it becomes yeah, an a solution to people. Like quote income. unquote. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people say it's the best thing for them. It was the discipline they needed. Cause maybe if you grew up in a home where you were low income and your parents weren't home much, cause they were working a lot to make ends meet. I think that that can provide exactly what people need to have those, like, adult skills that they didn't learn, maybe. Yeah. So, Sally does go on to marry her first husband, Anthony Loden, in this episode, we find. And this is a four-year marriage. They end up having two children together and end up parting ways at about the four-year mark. And can we just take a moment to say their children have the most beautiful eyes. They do. They are, oh my goodness, like Jackson Avery from Grey's Anatomy beautiful. Yeah, they're stunning. It's just, oh my God, they're just, I could look at them all day. And I don't know Um, if this
0: came up in your, I don't know, did you do any research outside of the Netflix, or like the documentary?
2: Not too, too much.
0: So I read somewhere just today... That her and Anthony actually had three children, but we'll come to find, of course, they split and her third child ends up getting adopted by another family. So she actually had three kids with him, but only two of them ended up being raised by her and only two of them were shown in the Netflix documentary.
2: I wonder if like her kids knew that.
0: I don't know. But it came up. Yeah, I was reading some articles today just like in anticipation for recording this and I and I
2: found that. Because her kids are very open about the abuse they witness, Mm -hmm. um, the turmoil between different situations, and they're very honest about, like, how things fucked them up. Mm -hmm. So I would be shocked that they wouldn't say, and then her giving away our sibling, like... Yeah, I I don't know if maybe it was,
0: like, they had a young baby, and then they split up soon Mm -hmm. after, and she knew she was going to be a single parent, so she...
2: Which is respectable to have the, like, bravery to give your child to a family who can better support them. I think it's so commendable. Our family's big on adoption.
0: Yeah, I just, like, thought it was interesting because it didn't come up in the Netflix documentary at all. It said, yeah, um, Sally and Anthony were married for four years. They had three children, though only two are shown in the documentary. Um, Shantina and John, of course. And then just says during their divorce, their third child was put up for adoption and taken in by another family, leaving Sally as a single mother of two. So, yeah, their, their youngest mm-hmm. then would have been put up for adoption. Interesting.
2: Well, I mean...
0: No, like, I'm, there's no John judgment or anything are, on my part. I no,
2: just... no, no, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm saying, like, John and his sister are quite close in age, mm-hmm. and... I mean they she did say they were like very rambunctious children and they were go 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 and they did a lot and stuff they were very active, so I could see maybe her only like I only have two arms, these kids are already a lot, and they're both very young and together at the same time, I could totally understand how that could be overwhelming in a situation yeah I, like,
0: just, I thought it was interesting that that wasn't, it is interesting it didn't for come sure up at all. yeah, it's not what the documentary was about, but. <laughs>
2: No, but I mean, it's still a factor in like the storyline because they talk about Anthony and her's marriage, so why not talk about that? Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird. Um, anyway, yeah. I find that very odd, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm allowed to. Good food is Canada's number one meal kit service that delivers right to your door. Good food makes cooking fun, easy and affordable.
0: They offer different meal plans to fit your needs like vegetarian, clean 15, easy prep, and the most popular basket, the classic basket.
2: Every recipe is packed with fresh produce that comes directly from farmers and with good food. You can skip the trip to the grocery store and have everything you need to make your curated meals delivered straight to your door. Sign up for good food today using the code FREEPODCASTBYPROXY to get your first
0: classic box for free. That's FREEPODCASTBYPROXY when creating your Good Food account to
1: get a classic box on us. Hey listeners, I'm Christy, and I'm Melissa, and this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. Like if you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. She struck him on the back of his head with a frying pan almost killing him and was hospitalized for a severely fractured skull. She fractured she his She fractured skull. his skull. Wow. So the movie tangled was right. Frying That's pans right. are dangerous. They are. He feels like he is totally justified in the murder that he commits. Even after he's convicted, he feels justified. Oh yeah, to this day. That's a confident dirtbag right there. That's right. He believes that his victim had it coming. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirtbags that live among us. And the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. So the first episode of this documentary
2: is called Valentine's Day. And this is going to be important because Valentine's Day is a very important date throughout this whole documentary. It's actually very weird. Um, Also, why do people say Valentine's Day? It's not an M. I'm not sure. Do they? Yeah, and it bothers me. So in 1987, a fellow Marine introduces Sally and Ray because he knows they have a mutual interest in bodybuilding. Sally has recently been very displayed throughout the base as a primo athlete. They're very supportive of her athleticism, her workout time, and her goals within her physique. And she's, do you want to say something? i was just gonna say i
0: actually learned in this documentary that the marines and like the armed services has their own like bodybuilding physique
2: the u.s armed forces physique championship
0: championships like lineup
2: ray won it twice we will come to talk about in a moment i just didn't know that they had their own like division neither did i When I was watching the documentary, I was like, wait, they have their own bodybuilding competition? Yeah. So I guess they do promote athleticism, and that might be uh, one avenue.
0: Yeah, I just, like, assumed that they would have been through, like, the MPC,
2: but nope. Nope, not at all. It's run-in house, people. Yeah. So single mom at this time, Sally, is pumping iron, and she meets, like, this huge... And I mean huge man. Yeah. If you've seen this, you know Ray is, every muscle that can bulge on him is bulging. He is just as committed to his fitness, his physique, and putting in the man hours to literally ensure that his body is at peak performance and physique look at all times. Yeah, he was huge. He he went up against the best of the best. Mm Mm-hmm later in life, competing for Mr. Olympia. So it's crazy how good of his physique was. And Ray McNeil was, like, a big name around the base when you talked about, like, if you needed someone to teach you how to work out or you want to work on something, everyone was like, you got to check out this guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're competing at the O. Sorry, that's what the Olympia is called in the bodybuilding world, is the O. But it's, like, the biggest bodybuilding competition around it's like yeah. the
2: olympics for bodybuilders um yeah. that's crazy like yeah oh my god and some of the footage that's played throughout this documentary of the like stage performances and the posing is amazing oh yeah it's worth it for the old school footage alone to watch this documentary it's really if cool already yeah. it is great so their bodybuilding obviously bonded the two at the time in the 80s, Ray had just won twice the, as we mentioned, the U.S. Armed Forces Physique Champion, and they were uber quick to marry. About three months after knowing each other, they are like, she said she knew she had something good and she was not letting it get away. So the second they could get married, they did, and at first, the kids were very happy to be a family again. They had a mom and a dad, they were going to Disneyland, they were I mean, yeah, they didn't love being stared at because their parents were, like, comic book characters or superheroes kind of out of a movie. Like, yeah, they were all bubbly.
0: <laughs> well, they dressed and they wore very much those, like, much signature,
2: like, siglet like, sleeve style, like, yeah. tank tops. Yeah, where, yeah, like, They, they walked
0: the walk <laughs> for sure.
2: Yeah. And I feel like a woman who's very lean and bodybuilding, like, you can't not see her nipples at all time because there's just, like, very little breast tissue. So it's, like... That's eye-catching to a lot of people. And then you see Ray, who's this huge hulking man.
0: Well, and Sally was bodybuilding at a time when kind of female bodybuilding was just starting to get big. Like Like, female actual bodybuilding and not just, like, bikini beauty pageants yeah actual like muscular women and stuff were starting to be a thing so it was completely new to see somebody who looked like her and who was like owning it and really
2: like she embodied that well she kind of like i was going to talk about it in the second part but we're not really doing this in order anyway so it doesn't really matter but she ends up doing like (laughs) amateur wrestling videos and that guy who's producing them he said like women on stage at the time were just like good-looking women yes that's all we knew to judge so they were lean and fit with big boobs and mm-hmm. they were in a bikini and they were really tanned and they were beautiful but then they were like why are we judging men and women different yeah so, which is commendable i appreciate that they were like why shouldn't we be getting muscular women as well it was just and like doing a new, similar like, criteria
0: it's, it's even still today women who are quite muscular face you know comments about how a lot of scrutiny blah 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 blah. i mean who cares but totally
2: your body your choice
0: especially then when it was so new
2: to see some like a a female social media. so there wasn't that quick spread of like something being normalized or us being desensitized to it so when you saw one very muscular woman you're right you were like whoa yeah whereas now that's not as shocking, but when you maybe walk past someone and they're significantly larger than you, you're like, whoa. But, yeah, it's not that weird anymore. I mean, usually I'm just checking them out,
0: and I think it's amazing. So. Well,
2: same. <laughs> so that's what I mean. Like, it's an admirable whoa, not a ugh, whoa. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. This is, though, when the children start to admit at a later date that they saw cracks in the relationship, whether it was verbal words to one another... They were starting to cut each other deep. There was a bit of pushing. They noticed that there was a similar sound that they could hear over and over again, which sounded like their mother being choked and it became a regular sound that they got used to. Um, Ray would frequently at Sally's word and at the children's like audible interviews. And like, I can't even think of the word like statements they gave, yeah, it was that they could hear it frequently as well, that he would strangle her or choke her. That was his usual method.
0: Well, yeah, and like later... Pinning again, her I'm down. Sure this, Yeah, I'm sure this will come up, but like later yeah. when the police are talking to these kids, keep in mind, I think Jonathan was in like fourth grade. In think, those, yeah, he was like
2: 10. In
0: those clips, they're and asking 10, like, eight. oh, well, how did you know that it was... The choking and they're like oh well I heard my mom make that sound before when he was choking her. They like knew the sound of her being choked because
2: it had happened so frequently. I believe at a later date it happens like around a holiday where he chokes her in front of the children and they are able to put the sound to an action and then that way they are able to then pinpoint when police ask oh we could hear that all the time. Mortifying. And again these children are like 8 and 10 years old.
0: And I specifically, Jonathan, the boy, thought that you can tell that he has seen trauma and violence and has had to grow up way too soon. Um, Way too soon. Like he's so small and some of the things that he's saying and is able to like comprehend and piece together are Mm -hmm. like, I can't even imagine even thinking like that when i'm 10 was 10 years old like i was just so like sheltered and innocent and privileged i'm gonna use that word um, yeah we were that that's not even something that i would have like had to think about but when he says like i think he says something like well if you thought yeah anyway we'll, we'll get there but it's yeah just, there's a lot about the kids to unpack too mature
2: He's too mature, he's seen too much shit for the yeah. age he's at even now as And that's a young all adult. I mean
0: by too mature. I think it's like adorable when little kids are mature and that's just like who they are. But you can tell yeah. when a little kid is no longer. This just isn't a little a cute kid, kid with because a big vocabulary. They've been forced yeah. to grow up way too fast.
2: A hundred percent. And it was sad. A hundred percent. And yeah we'll get to it further but it really did change the whole trajectory of his life specifically also it created like generational trauma for their daughter yeah or her daughter i should say but um so yeah as you mentioned the kids are reporting as far back as like shortly after they get married the abuse started it was a constant even though it may have just been verbal at the beginning. It was still abuse.
0: I think it comes out, I don't know if it's Sally that says it or the kids, but he, like, punched her in the face and split her lip after they had been married for three days.
2: Yeah, she, so the kids, I don't think, were actually around. They were, like, about to move into, like, a new place. And, yeah, I remember her saying something along those lines of, like, I had to, like, face people right away. And it was, like, I had just gotten married and they're congratulating me and I have a split lip. Yeah. Yeah. And then people even said, like, his friends and her friends, like, I kind of thought that they did it to each other, like, because neither of them looked great, because sometimes, like, Ray would have scratches on him and things like that we come to find, too, so I can't imagine how hard it would have been from the outside being their friends. Um, Near the end of this episode is when we come to find that Ray has started to use steroids anabolic steroids to be specific and sally is actually making enough money in her amateur wrestling career at about 300 dollars an hour for her work um that she can support ray and he can leave the marine corps entirely and we kind of leave that episode on like this happy couple that they're portraying on the outside and she's making a ton of money he's pursuing his dreams mm-hmm. like close scene Episode two, we come into what's called Death to Mr. California. So, Sally's paying all the bills, supporting all of Ray's loves, dreams, hobbies, goals, everything. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's the deal you have, you pursue your dreams, then I'll pursue mine kind of thing. If that's your goal list and that's how you work, great. That's fine. But that wasn't the case here. No. No. Ray was a big guy using excessive amounts of supplements and drugs and like hundreds and hundreds of dollars, upwards of thousands of dollars a week. And Sally resented him. She was, he wasn't around for the kids as much. He was in the gym all the time. He was getting angrier and angrier. And on Valentine's Day of 1995... A 911 call is made and it's Sally saying that she needs the police to come because she's just had her husband because he was beating her. In the background, you hear her daughter screaming and her son talking a little bit at one point. Um, Ray was shot twice, once in the abdomen and once in the jaw, standing near the stove in their kitchen. Uh, seeing the pictures they showed and what you would expect the entire crime scene to look like, I couldn't imagine walking in there. No. She shot him twice with a sawed-off shotgun after she reports that when being interviewed with police after being arrested, because again, she does call and own up that immediately she is the one that shot him. She reports that she got away from him after he had pushed her down and was getting to strangle her she thought and so she squirmed away from him managed to get into her bedroom grab the shotgun come back out shoot ray now this particular shotgun did need to be reloaded and shot again yeah which i think is a very valid point
0: uh yeah it's an important point as it comes up a lot that it specifically needed to be reloaded in order to be shot a second time
2: Now, the reason this is an important part is self-defense. The understanding typically is that you shoot once to stop the perpetrator or disarm them, disable them, whatever that may be. And you stop and And you call for help.
0: And without excessive force. It's supposed to be only the amount of force
2: necessary to keep you safe. Yes. that, that, That statement just bothers me. Yep. As we know.
0: I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit, but my, I think what comes up a lot in these types of cases, we saw this as well when we covered the Helen Nasland case from Alberta, um, is that, uh, who are you and me and a, and a prosecutor and a judge to tell to somebody decide. whether they felt like their life was in danger or not, or... Mm-hmm do you know what i mean like if you are yeah. not in that moment you are not that person and you're not in that situation and you like you this is always something that has happened more than once this isn't like a one-off situation for them
2: it's like saying i'm sorry you felt that way
0: right like who am i to say if somebody should or shouldn't have felt safe in a situation i wasn't there yeah.
2: i don't want to discredit how you feel so yeah.
0: so i and i think that that that's a theme in like a lot of these domestic violence situations is it's like almost a he said, she said, or like,
2: well, um, it's, it's hard our to prove on like a traditional
0: level in the court of law. Yeah. That somebody felt a certain way.
2: Well, and to lend to why she felt this was going to happen or could happen yeah. is a friend of hers who are also in the bodybuilding community. He had just recently in the news outlets reported what had been quote wrote roid rage and had strangled his wife to death Mm -hmm. and knowing that Ray's go to form of abuse with her is strangling immediately she said something flipped in her head and she was like I I could be next I'm next he's gonna kill me Mm -hmm. and that change in your mindset alone is your like fight or flight changing and you being like oh my god I'm in true danger I need to protect myself And maybe she had a more long-term goal to leave, which we come to find out she says she was considering. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't necessarily think she was. She really wanted to work things out with Ray, even though they were growing apart at this point. But Mm -hmm. I just don't think that... I don't know. I lost my train of thought.
0: Yeah, and I think it's... Worth mentioning too that, and like, we're gonna keep talking about the episodes mm-hmm. and all that, but um, it's worth mentioning that we, or at least I acknowledge that like Sally's behavior is also not perfect in a lot of these situations, but no, like, not at all, like nobody's is. And the and the the thought that we would expect um, somebody to behave perfectly in order be, to be considered a victim is ridiculous,
2: yeah. We're not. It comes up a lot in these. We're such a neutral
0: party in this. Not even just us. I just mean in like domestic violence cases in general. Like when you're in a situation Mm -hmm. like that, you're you are behaving your worst because those situations bring out the worst in people. Conditions are the worst, right? And so I, I hear it all the time that like, oh well, but she said this, or like her reply was really bad, and it's like the the thought that somebody has to behave perfectly or Mm -hmm. completely ideally in
2: order to be a victim is so ridiculous to me um and i think there was also the level of well look at her she could defend herself yeah we'll get to that and she even said like you were living in the house with ray and the gun was there weren't you worried he would shoot you at any time and she said no because i know who ray is and with his anger and ego he knew he didn't need a gun to kill me Like, he could have killed me any of those times he was strangling me. He chose not to.
0: Yeah, Brandon actually mentioned a few times when we were watching the documentary because it comes up a lot, especially when we get to kind of, like, the trial. The prosecution harps really, really hard on, like, how could she possibly be considered a victim when she's so strong? Um, and, like, that's oh absurd God. in itself. But when you is. consider the fact that, like, who her husband was, it's essentially just, like, a quote-unquote normal power dynamic at that point. Like, he was huge. It's no different so, than you and your current spouse. So, like, in comparison to who her husband is, she's not that strong. Like, yes, at and the, the time, she's super strong for an average female.
2: But, like, but that her doesn't interviewer change. Is like, wow, you're short. Wow, you're petite. Like, the interviewer even, like comments on like i expected you to be huge and she's still big and fit and like a wider stature but she's not tall whereas like this guy like he was tall he He was was, like six foot two or something like that like he was a big freaking guy yeah
0: yeah they just like harp on that a lot
2: and it's like is everybody seeing what i'm seeing like
0: this guy's massive so who cares how strong she is
2: Yeah, like, if you took 50 pounds off her and 100 pounds off her, how are they different from any normal couple? Yeah. I also thought it was interesting, like, what you're going to get to, though, is because we will make a note that Killer Sally was a caption maid because she was such a killer in her, like, wrestling videos Mm -hmm. and the videos she went on to make for fitness and quote-unquote self-defense and fighting videos and just anything she was kind of hired to do because again she was big and fit and she was using that to her advantage to make a high hourly wage to support Ray because her main goal was to make sure that he was the happiest husband he was because she was like really enamored by him yeah like even in pictures you see like he is like damn I look good and she's just like looking at him like damn he looks good like it's sad and again we're not saying sally is an innocent party here we actually come to find out through police investigation that in the 90s she was essentially like suspended written up and had a lot of reprimanding done within the military uh, or sorry the marines because she had poor behavior anger issues violence lashing out and because she didn't really want to admit to this and go through the proper procedures and protocol to get kind of, like, anger management, things like that, it actually led to her dismissal, like, mm-hmm. her refusal to cooperate, which kind of lends to what they were just saying. She didn't want to reply to authority. Yeah. She had a really tough time with it. Yeah. Um, and she even, like, fought the mailman and the neighbor... She kicked a bartender in the face at a restaurant. She was dancing on the table and didn't want to get down, so she just kicked him in the face. Like... Yep. She's not a not-violent person. Um, yeah. Throughout the interviews at the episode... or Sorry, at the end of episode three, we get to hear a lot from Ray's friends and people close to him. Now... They're very big advocates for Ray. Mm -hmm. They don't negate that he was a tough person to be around at times, that his personality could be abrasive and that he was tough. But he wasn't mean to Sally. He didn't hurt Sally. If anything, Sally was erratic, had outbursts and Ray would frequently calm her down. He was like her Zen. Um, the children also admit, though, that they were experiencing abuse at Ray's hands, specifically John. He would get punished by a belt or physical abuse for being out of turn, not following rules. Um, he took a lot of it out on John, I think, as the only other boy under that roof. Yeah. Um, whereas I think her daughter experienced a lot of verbal abuse and psychological abuse from watching what her mom went through and just being kind of talked down to a lot because she doesn't speak as negatively about him she has quite fond memories with him it seems like they had kind of like that father-daughter bond and I I think we see that a lot in abusive relationships like the mom and the son take the brunt of the abuse and the daughter kind of I don't know maybe there's something a bit more like juvenile or angelic about the daughter that maybe there's like he doesn't associate it with her i don't know why that is or why we see that but it seems as though their relationship is slightly better than the other two under the house right roof yeah yeah until we find out what you know the generational trauma that she's passed down from this um
0: yeah i think Potentially, she just also was used to seeing a lot of that, and the kids became kind of accustomed to that was their normal, which is really unfortunate and really sad. Um, I think it's good to remember that both of these people were more than likely using steroids, and also not only steroid use makes you super irritable and... A myriad of symptoms especially if you're overusing but being in any form of competition prep for bodybuilders is highly highly stressful and makes you incredibly irritable and one person doing that in a household can put severe strain on a relationship because you are often you're feeling extremely weak because you're in a severe caloric deficit when you are perfect for a show, right? All of these things. And then you add this like steroid use and then also a bit of a volatile relationship already on top of it. Like I can only imagine what the vibe in the house was like sometimes. And I think oh, it been
2: so kids, hostile all the time. Kids are so like
0: malleable that you almost just become like used to it.
2: Yeah. I just don't think that any child should, ex- should see their parent abusing any type of drug no and i think in this case especially like anabolic steroids to my understanding were still quite new at this time like late 80s early 90s they weren't necessarily like there was still a lot of like trial and error with them so to speak with people trying to come up with what to produce and what to spread around there was a lot
0: there was also a lot less knowledge about the side effects and the aftermath of what can happen to you when you overuse them like it was kind of still an era of like woohoo this is awesome um there's yeah. a lot less knowledge around that and so well similar, none of it was
2: fda approved similar to like, like
0: smoking cigarettes where people were like oh my god this is the best diet tool ever but like now we know that it's horrible <laughs> no, for you it can kill you <laughs> right it's similar similar to that like it was yeah. very normal and i mean People still use steroids in different capacity now all the time. I mean, it's hard to find, unless you're at a specifically natural show, it's hard to find a bodybuilding show where basically everybody on stage isn't juiced. Just clean. And yeah. that's just
2: the truth. But. No, I agree. And it's important to mention too that like steroids affect people differently. Yes. Just like, you know, there's not like a blanket weight loss goal for everyone or a meal plan that works for everybody. Men and women experience it differently. Mm-hmm. Um and like in women a lot of it is more physical attributes in a lot of ways voice changes um, hair growth yeah yep. because there is like other things to change it seems like there's more focus towards those first mm-hmm. um, so whereas like men very like um, not immediately but very early in their like process of taking the steroids are like depressed their right. mood changes they're man not manic but like kind of, or they have like mania and like things like blurred vision, even like Mm. how frustrating would that be having blurred vision? Like, you know, even that like irritability, it just changes things like that. It changes everything about you and like you get a decreased appetite. So then you're not eating enough, but you're also eating and forcing yourself to eat for prep. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I can't imagine you're sleeping well. It's just, it's everything changes. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Anyway, Yeah, back to this. Um, So we come to hear about Sally's reckless behavior, her kind of not so glamorous past. And we kind of end there. So now we're questioning Sally's self-defense motive. We're getting into the nitty gritty. Episode three opens, which is the people versus Sally McNeil. So we're going to get into her trial, um, her life after trial what her kind of last 20 years have looked like so to speak um her trial begins on valentine's day of 96 so it's important to note they met on valentine's day he was killed on valentine's day and her trial began on valentine's day isn't that wild yeah i just like like cuckoo bananas
0: like who planned that the trial specifically. Like, who was in charge
2: of that? Because you knew it was significant. And that was also, like, I think kind of a... I don't know. It seems like a tactic. Oh, 100% it was a
0: tactic. Because I'm going to say it, this prosecution was ruthless.
2: They were. Ruthless. They went hard. And they just would do anything. Oh, yeah. This was, like, rough. Yeah. So... It's kind of up to like literally like the 11th hour if Sally is going to testify or not in this, yeah, which is know, like so that. stressful. And she talks a lot about like those like feelings going back and forth because like you said before, all she wants to do is tell her story. She truly feels that there's something that people will relate with or understand. And she was just protecting herself and her kids. Yeah,
0: she really wants to tell her story and her defense really attorney really wants to doesn't her. want her to tell her story.
2: Well, as we know, it's just not a good idea. And you don't know what's going to be asked. You don't know how it's going to be asked. And you could just put yourself in a position that you don't want to be in. And
0: we already know, too, unfortunately, that at this point, she is not being looked at as the ideal victim. I'm going to use that word. Yeah, that's word. a good way to put it. Um, and so
1: putting her on past. the
0: stand, she is comes across a little bit rough she's not gonna like break down emotionally and cry on stand um yeah her defense attorney was really not interested in this but she yeah she really and that's why i said she really wanted to tell her story
2: a thousand percent and that's exactly what i was getting into here about like specifically why she was advised not to take the stand she was shown her videos from her interviews and they tried to explain to her like You have very little emotion or movement or uh, anything. Uh, Also, in this clip, you took a nap when the police were out of the interrogation room. And she didn't get to see all this until close to the trial because they had to show her everything that was brought into evidence and really got to see, like, what the perception would be. And I think that gave her cause for the pause to take the stand. But it doesn't look good. She was so used to a... Like militant style thought process and lifestyle where you put your emotions aside. It's factual. You get the information across. You help solve the problem. Yeah. As she was saying. So to her, she put aside the sad as best she could. Because in the back of her mind, she knew she probably wasn't going to see her kids again now. Like she didn't think that going in there. She thought she was going to tell her side of the story and go home and they'd figure it out.
0: Well, and I think certain people, when they've been exposed to a certain level of violence, trauma, etc., you kind of become numb to the point mm-hmm. that you, like you're not gonna break down every time you talk you about can it, and you're aside not gonna display this huge emotional, yeah. display. Because... What's well, like kids who
2: have really abusive homes, but they go to school and they act totally normal. They condition themselves to not show anything. And that's so sad. And I think,
0: like, all of us to a certain degree can think of a, a situation in our life where maybe we've responded kind of cold or looks like we're responding cold because we're so numb to that situation that, like, we just don't have any more... No tears left to cry.
2: Yeah.
0: To quote Ariana. There are Always. no tears left. Always. Anyway, this is where I was saying that... um. So when they, because they do show clips, I think it's in this episode of after she's arrested and when she does her interrogation with the police and it's like those clips from the interrogation room. And Jonathan, he's like, again, he's in like fourth grade. He's like 10 years old. And he says something to the effect of like, But if you thought he was going to kill you, then that's self-defense. And I just, like, I literally almost cried.
2: So, yeah, they bring her kids in at the end for her to explain to them that they're going to go with social services until, like, her sister or her mom can come down to pick them up from upstate or a different state. Not important. Um, But the little boy, yeah. So her daughter, I think, is, like, hugging her and her son's kind of across the table. Yeah, he's like, but mom, yeah, like just tell them. Like it's such a little kid response, Mm -hmm. like so organic. Like just tell them it was self defense; they'll understand. Like, yeah, Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did cry
0: watching that video specifically of her kids interacting with her in that interrogation room, and like, she knows trauma on
2: those kids of having to be. Well, and they're just like, you're not coming home. Like it's just so. And they get interrogated. Just punch me in the gut. Yeah, they are cross-examined at her trial Mm -hmm. because they ask about, like, has your mom been scary before kind of thing, like, those kind of questions, and her son also explains a time where it took multiple police officers to get her in a car because she had an incident with a neighbor, because the neighbor was mean to him, and he didn't actually want to tell his mom because he knew his mom was going to react like that, so... It's just a really tough position for kids to be in and I feel for them. Um, but yeah. So at trial, it is heavily emphasized again and again the lack of emotion, the reloading of the gun and when Sally takes the stand and they readvise her that you know, he had torn organs from being shot in the abdomen and His jaw had essentially been, I think they use a more colorful way, but say, like, all across the kitchen cupboards, essentially. Mm. Um, And they just go for the jugular on her, reminding her about her character she used to be. However, saying, it's who you really are. You are a killer. Um, Look what you used to do to these men. You used to put them in these submissions. Keep in mind, these were men that were, you know, everyday citizens like you and I, who work quite a bit smaller than her, and we're going along with it, and we're making the video with her. Or it was like a fetishizing. I was thing gonna to say that, they like, were
0: hiring her, like they
2: wanted to. At one to pr- point, they
0: call it muscle prostitution because she, yeah, like
2: yeah, sometimes smaller men want to be dominated by a big hulking woman and that's fine
0: yeah it was like men that wanted to be physically dominated and they would pay her to wrestle them and then there was one part in the trial where they asked her some something like you've never went by the name killer sally or something and she's like no and
2: no she's like my character um,
0: yeah because and because like she to her that was herself playing a character a job that she was getting paid for and not who she was at her core but they yeah this prosecution was it was just so
2: hard for her to explain the difference in a way because her like overall personality was quite extra as well so although her like killer sally and just sally mcneil weren't actually that different in terms of like their personality The exuberant, like, elaborate violence. I don't know if that was actually her, per se. And also, she didn't find that stuff fun or, like, sexy. She was like, it pays the bills. It keeps my husband happy. That was a job for her. Yeah. Again, she wanted to make enough money so that Ray could just commit himself to train for Mr. Olympia. Yeah. But when his drug habits, for better lack of word, I guess were, like, up to, like, I think $700 a day at one point. And at mm-hmm. the time, she was saying that, like, because it was in the house, she just started to dabble in it. She saw the effects that Ray was getting. And, yeah, she understood he was a bit angrier or had these little issues. She liked his results. Was she was envious, and she was paying for it. Yeah. So why not take advantage of, you know, the the strength? Yeah. And that's what she said. It was her ability to lift... Heavier, faster, more, and that was winning her other competitions. So it was by her taking those drugs she was winning other smaller competitions, which were just making her name bigger.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's I think it's really hard to stop something that's giving you a name, and financial gain, and some pride.
0: Yeah no what about so there's a there's I don't know when this kind of like comes up in the documentary but maybe it's when she's testifying I'm not sure so what about the whole story about like what happened that night before
2: yes so Sally says that this evening Ray is like nowhere to be found he was supposed to be home for them to have Halloween plans (laughs) Valentine plans it's always Halloween over here it's always yeah but she couldn't find him, so she calls around to a few people thinking where he might be. Um, he's not there, not at the friends' houses, so she finds, or figures that, okay, well, he's going to be at, like, the bar he always goes to. It's like, you know, back then, the guys had the one bar they go to. Yep. Women, they're looking for their husbands. He's at the pub. Yeah, so
0: she says she's, like, putting makeup so she's on in the bathroom. getting ready. Getting ready to go find him at yeah, the bar. Yeah, because
2: she's like, oh, a married couple should be together on Valentine's Day. So she's in the bathroom getting dolled up
0: he walks in and she asks him where he's been and then don't they just get in a fight well she already she kind thing. of like knew that he was potentially out with somebody else that's that's kind of like what comes up with this well, because friends.
2: he had been talking about this woman too in passing so that she had thought that maybe he was with her mm-hmm. because she knew that he was interested he didn't talk about any other women like this there was some spark there or something that enticed him mm-hmm. so she thought he was out with her so then when she was about to leave supposedly he gets home and this is when they're like conversation over all the infidelity and his lack of consistency at home to her and commitment to her comes up Mm -hmm. other friends outside their marriage say that he was going to ask for a divorce and that that could have also been a part of it that when it came up that he admitted to the infidelity, potentially. The conversation of divorce may have come up yeah. in passing because he had reached out to people close to him who were the also the friends in his corner throughout the proceedings of his trial. Mm-hmm. That were like, no, Sally was the one that instigated most of the conflict. Um, and she does say that she like, was an active participant in this argument. She's not opposing that she could have even been the one to start it. She brings the conversation up and it heats.
0: And what his friends say is that they think that she knew full well that he was out at the bar with somebody else and that she was getting ready to go out and confront them because apparently that's something Mm -hmm. she had done before.
2: Yeah. Another friend also did say that he received an interesting phone call from Sally that seemed like in his... Perception, she was trying to have him there as kind of a witness to something, right. and he didn't know what. It was just his feeling because she thought, like, the way that Sally was asking him to just kind of be there, hang out around that time when he was kind of could potentially come home as well, was weird. And yeah. he's like, I don't know what it was or what I was supposed to be there for, but I just couldn't go. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to be part of that. And his gut feeling was that something was going to happen to Ray. Mm-hmm. And he knew that there was something coming for him that was going to be some type of harm. Sure. But he couldn't put his finger on it. Um it, I mean either way we understand that she's obviously sentenced. All these interviews are from prison. She's found guilty of second degree murder and is sentenced to 19 years. Um through this she's gone through excessive therapy she has been denied parole many times because she would still not admit that this was something that she had planned to do or wanted to kill him um because at the time they were saying the only way that we would consider you eligible for parole is if you admit to your crimes which you have yet to do we don't believe it's self-defense. You need to own up that it wasn't self-defense because you reloaded the gun and you shot him a second time. There mm-hmm. had to be some... like, want to kill him out over and above self-defense. There was also an inference that Ray was actually facing away from Sally when she shot him. Mm-hmm. This was the also the other factor as to why the parole board wanted her to admit that he has was at the stove cooking eggs not paying attention and she took a shot at his back yeah well and when he turned she shot again and got his jaw so
0: another thing that doesn't come up in the documentary which i find really interesting that they left this out especially like of the trial because there was an opportunity to include it but <laughs> they actually did dna testing on ray's person like they tested him
2: mm-hmm.
0: and none of sally's dna was found on ray which the prosecution used and said basically you didn't run up and try to debunked her story of being beaten up and choked in the minutes before he was shot because they thought that if that had happened that sally's dna would have
2: been found on him so that's just an interesting but he was also standing cooking supposedly so it's like did he just wash his hands but it's like but then it does it also doesn't make sense that he was just actively choking her because it says she like squirms away and runs to the room and shuts the door behind her. Right.
0: So the so, idea is like they are saying her yeah. DNA would have had to have been on him if that happened so close to before he was shot. And there was none.
2: Yeah. I mean, so, which that again, was a, that was something that was presented true.
0: to the jury that <laughs> I'm sure gave like credence to their sentence or their d- their decision that she was yeah. guilty of second degree murder. Because second degree murder is essentially the jury is saying that they believe that she intended to kill Ray, but did so unplanned and in the heat of the moment. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. Or can't it also be like it wasn't planned, but they died in the process of something? No, so that like... would be manslaughter.
0: Second degree murder, there has to be intention to kill, but no planning or forethought.
2: That's the kicker. Okay. Yeah. I don't doubt that Ray was cheating. We know that. Mm-hmm. He was building a relationship with someone else, which I think jealousy is a big proponent, and we know that people kill over just that. Yeah. We know that both parties tested positive for steroids. Ray for a significant amount. Sally for a, a recognizable amount within her bloodstream, enough to affect her behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I think they both came from really crazy pasts, whether that be their lifestyle growing up. Like they were both exposed to violence and
0: toxic relationships. And I think at at this point in time, like you said, there's steroid use going on. Their relationship is very volatile. Um, Yeah.
2: I think, yeah, it was a matter of these are those scenarios where either someone snaps or someone leaves. And I think, unfortunately, in this case... Sally didn't want to be apart from Ray. And Ray wanted to be apart from Sally, Mm -hmm. it seems like. And she wasn't going to let him be elsewhere. So she was really fighting for the relationship. And I think she was just fighting too hard in a way. I believe that Sally believes that
0: she killed Ray in
2: self-defense.
0: Oh, I do too. I think that, like, honestly, whatever anybody else thinks is our... That's whatever... But she believes that, that her was life in was in danger and that she killed him in self-defense, period. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's all yeah,
2: I, I don't disagree with that. And I'm, I don't think that her sentence was inaccurate, but I also don't think that her story is inaccurate, per mm-hmm. se. Like, yeah, I, I agree. There's just a lot that... of
0: moving parts here. It's not a simple—I mean, no true crime case is ever cut and dry simple, but it's not as simple as saying— He cheated, she's mad, and killed him correct or i think she is
2: just uh yeah yeah but how yeah we don't know their mindset with the steroids as the added component as well and like there's just Um, there's just so much happening it's just not so much it's just not cut and dry but essentially yeah, yeah she's found
0: she's sentenced to 19 years to life
2: yeah so may 2020 she is finally released yeah Uh, At the time, she doesn't have much of a relationship with her son, because unfortunately, as we said, he really took the, I think, the brunt of, like, the, the outward visible symptoms of this, and went to living on the streets, abusing drugs, alcohol, um, has since gotten his life on track, and is living quite a successful life, it seems as so, um... She's rebuilding relationships with both of them, although her daughter also struggled so severely. I'm not discrediting what she went through. She followed a similar life path. She got pregnant young. She married young. She went to the military, I believe it was, Mm -hmm. and also got into a severely abusive relationship, but it seems as though both her kids are, like, learning And changing the course of their lives so hopefully for their kids sake that these won't be the cases um she also got remarried in her like on she got a warehouse job and was living at like military assisted transitional living and met a lovely older man named norfleet stewart phenomenal (laughs) and yeah and they look so cute together um and yeah she's talking to her kids she's married she has a job she seems to be living a very very boring lifestyle as she says and is so happy about it She all she wants is boring I want to go to work pay my bills love my man hang out with my grandkids yep so I think she has done her time I don't necessarily think she's not owning her shit like you said I think she's owning what she truly believes is her shit correct and I think that I think it's everyone. I don't a think chance. that
0: there's ever going to be a like this is what happened, and this was no. right, and this was wrong in this particular no. case. It's very complicated. Um, they were living in a lot of violence and turmoil, and can do and say a lot of things in that kind of an environment that maybe you wouldn't in an ideal situation, I'm going to put it that way. And yeah. and I don't think that there's ever going to be like a right answer here cuz I'm never going no. to feel differently that that I do believe that she felt she was acting in self-defense. Do I oh, think I agree. do I think that she was a perfect victim? Like I said before, no, but I think it's ridiculous to say that Discretton. somebody has to be perfect or act in an ideal manner in every situation in order to be considered a victim. That's
2: just like how when I feel. people say like, well he wasn't grieving normally or she wasn't grieving normally. It's like what is normal grieving? In saying all of that, I also recognize that Ray
0: have has people who loved him and also believed in his innocence and mm-hmm. that he was very much a victim in this case too and it's just like very sad all around, which I think is probably sure. why we were kind of so drawn to it because it is so different and, like, there are so many moving parts.
2: No, I agree. It was just, again, it was just different yeah. from what we're used to, but yeah. yet it still has a lot of the things we're used to, so it was kind of confusing. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's easy <clears throat> to have opinions on, like, domestic abuse situations. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy in a lot of ways. I think yeah. it's hard to have them when you add in an added component. Sure. Because you just aren't sure what that could change. Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, honestly, anybody who's interested in, like, learning more about this kind of stuff, Strictly Stalking Podcast, I can't, like, speak higher. I cannot speak higher about them. Um, <laughs> Jamie and Jake, if you want to be my best friends, I, I would hey. love that. I would have a great time. Well, That's obviously... I'm not replacing you. I'm just saying, if you okay. want to be friends, like reach out. I'm a huge fan. Uh, you guys do incredible work. Give platforms people to talk about this kind of stuff. Whether it's, it's mostly stalking, but a lot of the times domestic violence comes with that. And yeah. I've, I've learned a lot through their podcast. <laughs> so
2: yeah, and let us and know. I was a little bit, uh, a little bit shocked. I was, I was a little surprised, maybe, that. Because a lot of people don't actually know they're being stalked, they actually end up dating their stalker. Because someone is following you, learning about you, and can run into you places and build a relationship it's like the movie You mm-hmm. or the show You. I
0: never watched that.
2: Oh my goodness. I know, I go think watch like, it. It creeps me out, but it is creepy. But that's it's pretty much that concept of someone can get to know you from afar. And then match their interest to yours. So they seem like the perfect person.
0: Yeah. I Am a Stalker was good. Like that show on Netflix. Like it is really good to show what stalking is. And to give examples and show like how prevalent it is. I just thought obviously because it's like a Netflix documentary. They kind of like have to show you cases that have like seen it through. They've been able to like yeah. see through the entire legal process. This person is in jail. There's like court orders and etc. etc. cetera. Et cetera. Literally like that's not the norm and most people who are victims of stalking especially when it's like after a relationship they do not get that because a lot of the time it's just like oh it's just a heartbroken person they just miss you and it's like no this person is actually like making me fear for my life i don't know i really liked it i just think again like if you want a really complete picture of how freaking
2: prevalent this problem is Mm -hmm. this is a like we said at the beginning stalking isn't taken seriously enough no it's not
0: not that that this wasn't even a case of of stalking necessarily but um stalking and domestic violence like often go hand in hand so a -hmm. lot of the time i just think about that kind of stuff um when we talk about cases like this but yeah
2: It's crazy because we thought this was going to be a short episode. We were just going to talk about a documentary and do. We were actually going to talk about two documentaries. But I didn't get there. So. So we got some current events and then like two hours of chit chat.
0: Yeah, I didn't have, like, so the only other documentary that I was going to talk about and that I chose to go the current events route instead We're like, so over time that, I mean, I don't even care anymore. If you're still here, like, wow, I, I'm impressed. <laughs> Welcome. Um, but I watched the, the Texas Killing Fields. It's a, one of the crime scene documentaries on Netflix recently, and the only reason I was going to bring it up is because I just thought it was, like, pretty wild how reminiscent of the Highway of Tears cases that we just yeah. covered it was, like... It's, like, a, between, like, the 70s and 2006, over 30 women were found dead along this deserted stretch of Interstate 45 in yeah. Texas. Like um, farmland. Kinda. And it earned the name Highway to Hell. And all these yeah. women were just, like, found dumped along the highway. It just was really, like, creepy to me how similar the situation was. Of course, like, it turns out uh, it's all it's
2: very different. Like whatever, Yeah, it's but. different than I expected it to be when I first went into it. But it's still, it's... It definitely felt quite prevalent when I was even just starting it out. I was like, "But watch it. Maybe we'll talk about it another day. Um,
0: We don't have time for that today. We are so far." It's very good, but it was really well done. It's a bit repetitive, but I think that's okay. Um, I'm just getting picky at this point with my with my Netflix docs.
2: No, I agree, and I do think there's also just like one quick more thing, like and value in. Like you were saying, compared to I am a stalker to strictly stalking, mm. I liked getting both sides of the picture. So I think that's also interesting. Like you said, yeah. it was interesting to see what the stalker's perception was terrifying, but so interesting, terrifying, terrifying.
0: It, I will say yes, that was that's one thing that you don't get out of like say a podcast mm-hmm. like that where you're getting it from. You don't, you don't get the perpetrator's perspective at all, which is, like, totally fine. I don't necessarily yeah, need to hear what they have either. to say. However, it is terrifyingly interesting to hear them speak. Yeah, um, yeah it just really reminds yeah. you that there are monsters in the world, and they, yeah. they, they, they don't see anything us. wrong with their behavior or their train of thought.
2: No. And what you're saying and what they're hearing are so different, and it's just, I think, a learning tool for us. Yeah so
0: but thank you so much for
2: hanging out safe. on
0: the longest episode of PVP ever um it's been yeah, fun what happened? it's been interesting it's been a slice see you next week yeah bye bye i'll call you soon okay <gasps> okay bye. bye
2: bye how do i stop this shit i'll stop it <laughs> Okay. <laughs>